another episode of the Players Perspective Uncensored. I am your host, Larry O'Bannon. Appreciate you guys for taking a little bit of time to tune in with us. Now, in the spirit of Final Four week, I thought it was great to bring back one of the coaches who really played a big factor in my team getting to the Final Four. Talking about Ray Ganong, the strength and conditioning coach for so many years at the University of Louisville, University of Miami. He's poured into so many athletes. And not only was he a great coach, but just a great friend. Um, can't wait for you guys to hear what he has to say. Now, make sure you catch our interview on YouTube, the Players Perspective Uncensored podcast channel. Uh, make sure you follow us on social media. Our Twitter handle is the PPU podcast on Instagram, the Players Perspective podcast. Rate us, leave reviews, interact with us. We love to get your feedback and insight to, you know, becoming a better podcast. Now, our bourbon selection of the day is Knobs Creek Straight Rye. It's a Beam Suntory product uh, distilled at the Jim Beam Distillery. Uh, comes in at 100 proof, or 50% alcohol volume. Can't wait to get into this pour, but without further ado, let's go ahead and bring Ray into the podcast. Welcome into the Players Perspective Us as a podcast. Got a special, special guest with us today. Uh, one of my favorite people in the world. Uh, you know, helped me become the man that I am today when I was a young uh, teenager going into college. Man, strength and conditioning coach all over the world. Uh, he comes from the University of Miami, University of Louisville. Uh, you guys know him from his passion and his energy. I know him from just being a, a great friend. And uh, I'd like to welcome in Coach Ray Ganong into the podcast. Coach, welcome into the podcast, man. Larry, Larry. Oh, it's, it's, to see your smiley face makes it all worthwhile. Jeez. I love <laughs> coming in to work. That wasn't work. It was play. Because you guys, you guys made it all. I mean, made it happen. I mean, really made it happen. It was, oh. I'm going to cry. I know it. Oh, man. No doubt. Coach, let's, let me start by asking you this. What made you get into strength and conditioning coaching? What what made you go about that path? You know, everybody comes in the world with a different pattern, a different path, a different plan. And I really believe that the I was born to do what I have done for the past and continue to do to this day. And uh, and so I don't know. It comes from a power greater than me. It really does. Nice. Now, you started in 1979 at the University of Miami, Coach Howard Snellenberger, uh, famous at the University of Louisville as well, uh, hired you as the strength and conditioning coach. Talk about that experience, you know, getting started, being a first-time head coach, and just being at the University of Miami, man, like a, a rock star football school. Talk about that experience. Well, uh, my strength coach, because I played at Miami, mm -hmm. uh, and my, my strength coach called me from Ohio State. He had left and had gone to high, and he called me, and he goes, he goes, Ray, there's a new football coach coming into Miami. His name is Howard Schnellenbacher, but he couldn't pronounce, pronounce Coach Schnellenberger's name. Mm -hmm. And he said, I recommended you. So I did. And true story. Uh, I called him on a Tuesday. Sunday morning, I got a call. And the voice on the other goes, is Ray wrong there? And I <laughs> said, yes, Ray. Uh, you come down and see me? And I said, yes, sir. And uh, that's what, that's how it got started. That's nice. How it started. 
Now, now, how was Coach Schnellenberger? How was he as a coach? And you spent a you know a good tenure of years with him. You really got to know him. How was he as a coach? Uh, yeah, intense, extremely intense. I tell you what, the lives of, of the head coaches I've been blessed to be with are so similar. It's scary. Really? Oh my God, Howard Schnellenberger, Rick Pitino. Wow. If it wasn't for the preparation with Coach Schnellenberger, I probably wouldn't have been able to deal with Rick Pitino. <laughs> I can understand that. I can understand that. Now, in 1985, you guys won the national championship. You know, you decide to change lanes. Coach Howard Schnellenberger is moving on. Talk about the next journey for you in 1985 once Howard Schnellenberger left. So, uh, so we won – uh, Miami won the, the national championship uh, and actually 83. And Coach left after we won the national championship, went to the USFL. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Jimmy Johnson comes in and I spend one year with him. The USFL falls out. Coach Schnellenberger and Don Belcher, the AD here, were where they went to high school together. So so when the USFL fell out, the University of Louisville fired their head coach. Mm -hmm. And Don Belt, the UAD, calls coach and says, you know, you want to come to Louisville. And coach, that's how coach got up here in 85. And when, when coach came up here, uh, he called me. He called me in Miami. He goes, he goes, Ray, you want to come to Louisville? And my wife, when I went to go talk with her, she goes, where's Louisville? <laughs> so you really had to look on a map to find out where, okay. So that's that's how we end up getting up here in 1985. And then uh, Coach left, uh, I think 90, I want to say like 96, 94, Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. And then Coach Cooper comes in. Things didn't go too well. John L. comes in and calls me into the office and goes, uh, Ray, he goes, sticks out his hand, says, well, thank you for your years of service, but I'm going in another direction. I said, well, I shook his hand. I got up and I walked out and went over Coach to Tom uh, Jurich, the AD, mm -hmm. fully expecting the same scenario. <laughs> you know, Tom, uh, I, you know, Coach fired me. Um, and he goes, well, Ray, why don't you do this? Put programs together for all the teams except football. Mm -hmm. And so, and, that, and that's what I did. And then 2001 comes. Mm -hmm. A guy by the name of Rick Pitino comes in. And he called me into his office and and said uh he goes ray he says uh uh you know i'm gonna give you a year uh if you don't get the job done you're out on your ass and I just said, oh, quote unquote oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> oh, oh yeah yeah i don't know if you remember we had a meeting or maybe you weren't in quite yet no, I came in in the summer of 2001. He came in in that uh, okay. that spring. I wasn't there yet. I was still finishing up high school. Okay. Well, he called. 
everybody's in a meeting. Fred Dean is there, uh, all the all the eight assistants, all the ADs, the players, and, and Coach Patino has introduces each person and each person talks about what they're gonna do. Mm-hmm. Okay. I was the last one that he that he said, okay, most of you because we started working with the basketball team for actually before he got there. But coach and bless his heart, didn't really coach Crumb really didn't believe in strength and conditioning. Right. It was Scotty Davenport who really helped helped me get some of the players coming into training. Mm-hmm. Okay. One of which is Ellis Miles, and that's a whole other story. <laughs> so yeah. So um <laughs> so when Coach uh, Coach Tino introduced everyone and says, Well, this is Ray and that uh, you guys know him. And he goes, and, and just like I just said earlier, he goes, and if Ray doesn't get the job done, he's out on his ass in front of everybody. I mean, everybody was <laughs> no, there. Yeah, no surprise. No surprise. Just say anything, anywhere, anytime to get the point across for all the right reasons. Right, right. Um, now, now you let me let me take you back before uh, you switch to basketball. Uh, quick moment. 1990, mm-hmm. University of Louisville beats Alabama in the Fiesta Bowl. I remember it like it was yesterday. Yeah, wow. Talk about that moment and what that meant. That was like a cornerstone moment for the football program going forward with Brownie Nagel. Um, right. Yeah. Right. I want to say, I don't know if Jamie Asher was there, Dawkins. I don't yeah. know if those guys were there yet, but yeah, man, well, that yeah, man, that was a cornerstone moment for the program. And I, I remember like it just because I was a little kid, man. But talk about that moment and being in that moment and part of the program. Yeah, it was. OK, so we're in the locker room and Coach Snellberger talks to the team. And, he, and you know, he is, well, you know, we've got the greatest opportunities all the time. we got to go out here, my gosh. So we're walking down the hall. Uh, the hallway in in the stadium, you know, on the out of the locker room, and the players from Alabama, they're lying on each side of the hallway, going, and they got their arms crossed on Bama, Bama. <laughs> As they're walking through to go out onto the field, that's right. They, they couldn't have laid a better game plan for our players because when we, well, everybody knows what happened. We just kicked the living poo-poo out of them. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, and then after it was all over, I mean, everybody's jumping in, going crazy and, you know, just celebrating like, like, you know, it's Christmas all over again. It was, it was, so I've had the opportunity to do that with, with Coach Schnellenberger. Mm-hmm. Winning the national championship was, was big. But uh, beating Alabama with their reputation, yeah, yeah. And at the time, I didn't even know the tradition of Alabama. So, like, I knew it was a big victory, but I didn't know until in hindsight. Like, man, yeah. like we, we, you know, you see what Alabama is now and the re- traditions restored. Uh-huh. Like, man, we molly whopped them in a the Fiesta Bowl. So that that was pretty cool, man. That yeah, was pretty cool. It was. It really, really was. So now you you spoke on it a little bit. You touched on it. You come to University of Louisville, nineteen ninety eight. You switch to basketball. 
because you got relieved in football. What was that adjustment like for you as far as strength and conditioning, switching sports, going from football and now conditioning basketball and other sports? I really, again, I'll say it again, everything happens for all the right reasons at the right time, right place, right people. And it, it, it was having had the opportunity to, to do all the other sports was supposed to help prepare for what was to come. Because for some reason, uh, you know, we were supposed to deal with you and basketball. Mm-hmm. And, and it's a whole different, you know, it, it's a little different. I mean, I, it's better now because athletes, I mean, all the athletes now, you, you don't train, you don't, you can't play, you can't. Right, play. yeah. You can't. Well, uh, you know, back in, back in your day and, and when we first got up, it, it wasn't a big deal with all the quote-unquote non-revenue sports to do strength and conditioning. Usually, uh, football did, but not all major football teams did. It wasn't until later where everybody now, it's it's given, it is a given that you train. Yeah. And I, I remember coming in uh, 2001, man, I was so nervous because I remember like yesterday, you called me. I was in a store. You was like, hey, Larry, uh, Coach Ray Ganon here, strength and conditioning at University of Louisville, uh, seeing when you were free and available to come in and, and start your uh, summer workouts. I'm like, summer workouts? I'm like, man, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, man it's, it's May. I just graduated, man. Like, what? <laughs> He said, yeah, we need to come on in. I'm like, oh, okay, so I'm thinking of coming in. You know, lift a little weights, maybe get some shots up here and there. Well, boy, was I wrong. Boy, it took me, coach, it took me three weeks to get through a treadmill routine. And that consisted of three minutes, uh, three minute run, three minute, you know, walk for 30 minutes, different levels. It took me three weeks uh, to get through it. But once I got through it, man, I felt so accomplished. But back to what you were talking about, if you didn't condition, and really train your body. There's no way you were going to make it through one of Coach Patino's practices. Oh, there's, no. there's no even with the conditioning that we had. Practice was still tough. Those first, you know, first few weeks, like your hamstrings are tugging at you because, oh. you know, everybody talks about it. But unless you're really there, it's <laughs> oh, yeah. it's, it's tough to really fathom, man. That the conditioning and the amount of running that you do. Yeah, six in the morning at the track, you guys would do would. I mean, that's that was crazy. I, I one of the craziest moments I remember was practice, and and we had a player, Simon Nagnall, and Simon just kept screwing up. And you know, coach didn't have much patience for players who consistently screwed up. And if you did, he would say, "Get in, go to a treadmill." I know about that. <laughs> I got run to the treadmill like five times. And uh, th- after the, like the fifth time, the coach just got fed up with it. And this is in December. This is, the, and he goes, he goes, it was right. Take Simon out on the track and run him for, for a mile. I said, yes, sir. So I did. And he better make time too. I remember that. I was like, oh, oh I was my like man, in the middle of winter. Oh my Yeah. Right. Here's here's what people don't know. And when we walked back into the onto the court, 
coach said, what the hell are you doing here? And I said, well, coach, he's done. And he goes, oh, da, 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 da. <laughs> and I just kept, but then I, I said to coach, I said, coach, I said, the track coach will verify that Simon ran that mile because the, while we were out there, the, the track coach comes over and goes to me. He goes, who is that guy? Because Simon was going like this. Yeah. In that, I mean, that boy could run. Yes, he could. Run. Yes, he could. Honest to God truth. Honest to God truth. Yeah. yeah. So, I, you know, people don't believe me, but when Coach Patino came, did he give you the specifics? Because no. I know, like, when we first checked in, we had to, you know, when you first checked in for the year, you had to be able to run a six-minute mile off the top. And right. by the time practice start, guards had to be at 530, and mm -hmm. big men had to be at 545. And right. Right. running without the ball wasn't necessarily my strong suit, but <laughs> I got there. I got there. I got there. <laughs> Oh my God. So one thing about you, Coach G, man, is people know you for your passion, your passion for the game, your passion for people. What does your passion come from that drives you not only to, you know, push the kids to be the best, but just, you know, just being on the sideline, cheering on your team? Does that sort of drive from that football mentality? But where does that root from? Yeah. I, I, everybody's different. Everybody's different in how they respond to a, a challenge. Uh, it's always been like that with me. I mean, even when I played, it's 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 just that I was crazy. I was, I was not, you had to be a little crazy, but <laughs> we had uh, at Miami for all the right reasons. Um, and I was always like that, always just intense. It was just super, and I don't know where it comes from. I, I really don't. I really don't. What I can't do is stand there and watch, and and it, because I think that your you a coach has the ability to bring the the level up by how he engages with his athletes, and and so I mean the only I I mean I wasn't even aware. That I was screaming and yelling until the few until Fred Hina would hit me in the side. <laughs> I had to say, I'm screaming, you stop hitting me because I would I'd, I'd go like that and I'd hit Fred. And then those rare occasions when Coach Patino would literally come down to get my face, shut up. <laughs> and I, I and but it didn't matter because eventually I just started. Again. And I'll I tell you what, man, when I first started with coach, like I, I did not enjoy lifting with you. I did not, but I wasn't used to lifting yeah. and the level of pain and intensity and like the pushing that it took. I wasn't used to that. And I'm like, uh, coach yeah. G would have to track me down and say, oh, you missed your lift today. I'm like, dang, man. <laughs> and then after a couple of years, it grows on you and going back to what you said, that passion, that energy, it comes, it becomes contagious. Yep. And then it sort of becomes addictive. You get it, you get used to that feeling and you see results, you see success, and you know, you want it even more. And so your passion and your drive and your attitude really rubbed off on me. It rubbed off on everybody. And 
you know, a lot of times we speak back on how the we started the 7 a.m. club, but the competition amongst ourselves, how we pushed yeah. each other. But it really set a lifestyle, not just a moment, but like even to this day, like me and sometimes I give to other guys like, you know, we may not be as intense as we were when we first planned, but like we still get in the weight room and man, we get after it. And so that set a tone, you know, not only for us then, but just for the rest of our lives and just, you know, for a healthy standpoint, man. And so, you know, we really appreciate that, man. We we really do. I speak for a lot of the guys, but, you know, we we really appreciate that. It's going back to, I was shocked that Ellis Miles actually stayed with us. I did not think that he would make it because he was a loop. I mean, and if he's sitting right here, I'd say it. He was mm -hmm. lazy. He was lazy. And, and you know, he, he really, he didn't believe in it either. And he didn't either. But to his credit, he learned and he grew from it. Matured. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He matured. Coach, you've been successful for so many years in the college games. What would you say your keys to success? What would you say the key points to your success in your coaching career? What were they? Love. Absolute love and passion. Or there was never a day, except on the rare occasions when we lost the game and I had to go in, that I did not look forward to taking my feet and putting them on the ground and saying thank you and to the good Lord and 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 go go do what I did. Never a there was ne never a day that I did not do that and. Because it really was. I mean, it was a lot of fun. It, it, it really was. Even the it, and, the, and the bad moments made made the the good moments that much better. Special. Oh my one, god! One thing you could count on, Coach G was going to be at the gym five thirty. <laughs> he was going to have his knee high socks on. Chins might be bleeding a little bit. Might might not depends oh. on if he had his rock and roll music playing when he was lifting. His hands were going to be with calluses and rosin. And he was going to be intense from the time you walked in, man. You could bank on that uh, just like the first of the 15. <laughs> so let me ask you this. Speaking yeah. of University of Louisville, University of Miami, give me a special moment at each school that really stuck out with you and that you really carried. I know there was a lot, but give me a special moment at each university. Well, I've got to say in, in at Miami football, it was the game against uh, Florida State. We're playing Florida State at Florida State. We win the game. It puts us in the Orange Bowl to, all right, to do what eventually happened. And Archie Griffin's son, Archie, Archie Griffin's son, Keith Griffin, made a, just a, a super run to get us down to about the 15-yard line with two seconds left on the clock to kick a field goal to go to the Orange Bowl. And he does. And all hell broke loose. And everybody <laughs> went nuts. You jump and you scream it all over. Oh, it was, it was, it was. <laughs> and then it, it is so similar when 
when the uh, when we played Michigan and beat them, and what what happened? The same thing, same scenario. Everybody went nuts and crazy, and and I tell you what, and it was hilarious. After after the, the when the game was over and they 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 shot something off a, a cannon or something with the confetti probably <laughs> yeah it was like it don't sound like a cannon and I can remember as I'm I'm getting up to go on the court and that went off coach coach Patino goes like you know we all ducked because we thought somebody <laughs> shot somebody and then we realized it was you know it was all the festivities. It was it was a blast. It was a play, um, but the moment I would say definitely for the my, Miami was that moment, and then the for Louisville when we won. Well, I tell you what though, uh, Kevin Ware, mm-hmm. remember? Mm-hmm. Okay, when. When we're playing Duke, it was Duke. We're playing Duke, mm-hmm. and Kevin runs over to block the guy's shot. He jumps up in the air. When I'm sitting, and here's the court because remember you're sitting down, the court right. elevated up. I'm sitting next to Fred Heenan, and Kevin comes over to block the guy's shot, and I turn. I turn to Fred and I go, my God, he's real. Look how hot. And I turn back. And by the time I I said that and I turned back, Kevin already landed and the bone was already out and was right in front of us. Mm. And it was surreal. It, it was like, that couldn't have happened. Right. And But Fred Nina, what incredible. He, my, he was on that court. He was telling people what to do, go here, go there. And they had him on the stretcher, and they got got him out like that. And just an incredible moment, incredible moment, inspiring moment. Actually, and it and it really was because had that not happened, I'm not really sure we would have been able to beat Duke. Because let me tell you, it affected us, but it really affected them. Yeah, and I think in I think in in uh, in its. Its way inspired our guys that they they were going to win the game. Yeah, playing for something bigger than yourself. Oh my gosh, yeah, playing for something bigger yeah. than yourself. Yeah, that's no, no question, no question. Coach G, man, it's been a pleasure having you on the podcast, my man. I love you. Tell the people where they can come find you. They want to come work out with you. Oh, okay. So I'm a personal trainer now. Hmm. Uh, and I'm at a location called Performance, which is down off of River Road. And that's that's where I am and what I do. And I love it. And I'll keep doing it until, until probably I will die doing what I'm doing. I hope that you guys enjoyed the conversation with Coach Ganong. It means the world to me. He was one of the people that I could just kind of go and sit and just talk to and just relax during my time at UofL. And to this day, Uh, really pushes me and my lifestyle of being healthy and and just staying fit and then staying in shape. And so I really appreciate him for just setting the tone for me uh, as a young man. Now, for our bourbon selection of the day, we had Knobs Creek Rye Bourbon. And to start off our review, you know, we always start off with 
nose in our bourbon and really has a nice scent to it. It comes off with some grain and some bread with a soft vanilla aroma to it. Now, to the sip, it has pretty good energy. And what I mean by energy is when you first put it on your tongue, how does it feel? Does it feel like a bunch of things moving around? How's the, the action in there? So it has pretty good action in there. The, the texture to it has a really nice oil body, so it really kind of lays on the tongue. Flavor-wise, there's a nice bit of spice in there. Also has some mint and wood flavor to it. Now, it's transition, it's a little bit of heat, but after that passes, uh, it hits you with a little bit of oak and vanilla that lingers around for the aftertaste. But overall, really good pour. I hope that you guys get a chance to try it. Let me know what you guys think. I love hearing your feedback on the different bourbon reviews because, hey, everybody's taste buds are different. But that's our review for the day. That'll do it for this episode. I appreciate you guys for tuning in. I'll see you on the next show. And that'll do it for the Players Perspective Uncensored Podcast.